When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. My Talk 1071, everything entertainment. Hope you are getting your tickets to join us at CHS Field on the 20th of June. We're going to do our big Grease sing-along. Tickets are still $12, but remember now, on the 9th of June, those tickets go up to $17. So get them now. Use the keyword Grease at MyTalk1071.com. Thank you, Danny. I know uh, the girl is so upset that she's not going to be in town for that. She knows every word for every song. Oh, I'm sure. Of uh, Grease. That was her movie. Okay, so um, kind of excited. I'm going to go see a sneak preview. We're going to have reports for you guys tomorrow. I'm going to see a sneak preview of Recommend. You're going to see Dear Evan Hansen. I know it. I'm excited. Uh, Donnie, what are you sneak previewing tonight? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. And I think it's going to be a long, long time. Till touchdown brings me round again to find. The guy who, you know, did Rocket Man? Yeah. The director? Yeah. You know what he wants to do next? What? Madonna. Oh, a biopic of Madonna. Yep. Oh. They asked him, "Who would you do next?" And he said, "There's no one else." Madonna. That would, that would be amazing. Oh. Well, Taron Egerton was on Jimmy Kimmel. He's the only one who's having a live late night show this week. Oh, I know. He's the only one. Amy Klobuchar, Senator Amy Klobuchar, was on right after him. Yes, she was, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought they had kind of fun chemistry together, and they had a good little bit. But Taron, who plays Elton John in Rocket Man, yes. Was beyond delightful. And we know him, he from, if you saw that sweet movie, Eddie the Eagle. Oh, was he in that? Yes. He played played Eddie the Eagle. Oh, yeah, that's a true story. The The, British ski jumper. The ski Mm -hmm. jumper. And uh, so he really hasn't, you know. He was in Kingsman. Those were kind of good movies. Yeah, but he was not a, you know, he was in the, he wasn't a primary thing. This is a big breakout thing for him. He. He he was in this movie called Testament of Youth, and then he broke I've out. I've seen that movie. You have? Kit Harrington's in that movie. Yes. It's a World War I love story. Yes, yeah. it is. So okay. he was in that. He was in a movie called Legend. Then he was in that Eddie the Eagle, which is a great inspirational feel-good story. So this is really like his big break. He's 29 years old. He's... Um, um, just kind of like giddy. He seemed to be giddy and he was just a natural giving us great couch. So here he is talking to, uh, to Jimmy Kimmel about seeing rocket man for the first time and seeing it in, at the Cannes Film Festival okay. with Elton John. Nice. You saw the premiere with Elton John. I did, yeah. What was that like? We had this incredible experience. We premiered the movie at Cannes, and I'd never been to Cannes, and from what I'm led to believe... None of us have. <laughs> but, uh, apparently, I'd been led to believe that they can be a little, a 
little cold if, if they're not if they don't approve. And I've even heard rumors that they can boo. Yeah, they do boo. They uh, boo sometimes. Yeah. So I was understandably quite nervous going in, and I'd found out that I wasn't sat next to Elton, which initially I was furious about. Oh yeah. <laughs> And sure. then the lovely people from the marketing department at Paramount said, well, he's going to sit between his friend of 50 years and his husband. And I was like, all right, all right, okay. Yeah. I can say that. <laughs> but, it, you, but you're it, him. You're even closer to him right. than them. So I'm sat here, uh -huh. Bernie Taupin, Elton John, David Furnish, and Dexter Fletcher, the director here. And we sort of watched the whole movie at this kind of angle, you know, to try, to try and ascertain if he approved or not. Had he not seen anything before? So he'd seen, so he'd seen bits, rushes, mm -hmm. dailies, and the trailer, I think, several million times. But not it. the whole but, movie. But not the whole movie. It was a... Okay. Bits, rushes, trellis? <laughs> no. Don't you love it? Bits? He's from, he's Welsh. Yes, yes. and we love how he talks. So great. Okay, so play the next one, Danny. Right. First time I'd seen it, seen it with all the, the finished, uh, all the finished VFX and everything. And to see them, you know, watch the scene in which they meet in 1968 Bernie or whatever. Yes. And be grabbing each other on the knee. Bernie Tarpon. Smiling yeah. at Bernie and Elton. And then at the end of the movie, um... Elton, about 15 minutes before the end, just absolutely broke down and he was blubbing. And then, and then this amazing thing happened. So the lights come up and I'm very moved because Elton has moved. Yeah. But Elton, because he's an old pro, has managed to get himself looking immaculate again. <laughs> Whereas I am just melting, you know, with all these cameras on me. But it was amazing. And we, you know, I was visualizing scenarios in which we'd get booed and we received a four minute standing ovation. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that? Uh-huh. Cool. And then um, Kim will want to know, do you read your reviews? Because I've seen reviews, you know, people are, are, are liking this movie, even though, of course, like any biopic, it doesn't get everything right. all right. Or and whatever. they didn't have everything in there, because, right. my right. goodness. And the reviews have been great, too. Do you look at that sort of thing? So I try and avoid reviews, but Elton sends me them every day. He does. Every day. I mean, he's sort of vetting my reviews. I'm sure there are bad <laughs> ones that he's not sending. But, but yeah, it's been... He emails them to you? He emails them, oh. yeah. It's the same title every time, and another one. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know what Elton John's email address is. I wonder if there's... A, is there a word from one of his songs? Well, is, it's, no, it's, uh, no, no. Is it not. anything fun? Uh, no, it's quite pedestrian, actually. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I feel like I'm treading in danger. Yeah, no, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. And it is sitting at Rotten Tomatoes right now with 120 reviews at 91%. Oh, excellent. Okay. That's excellent. Uh, he, I like how he talks. Doesn't he? I mean, he just was beyond charming mm -hmm. on the couch. He was just so cute. Okay, I'll play the next one. The movie is, well, it's, it's a musical, a lot it of is. it. It and is. it's an autobiography yes. or a biography of Elton. And, um, and of course, because it is, there are, there's a lot of sex and there's a lot of drugs and yeah, all these things. Yeah, there's a things. bit of that. Yeah, there's a yeah. bit of that. Is, that. is that cool with, like, your family? Is there anyone in your family that's... that's um... No, so, yeah, actually, my uncle... Yeah. So he's uh, an older Welsh gentleman, quite traditional. Uh, in no way prejudiced, but quite traditional, you know? Can I swear? Yes, absolutely. We'd love so, it if you would. So he went to the cinema to see it in Sleepy Aberyst with my hometown the other day. It was very silent during mine and Richard Madden's love scene. Apart from my uncle who went, Oh, f***ing hell! <laughs> <laughs> really loudly. Which I rather enjoyed. <laughs> As, as one's good. uncle uh, yeah. does. And I forget that Richard Madden from Bodyguard, who played Rob Stark in Game of Thrones, he is uh, one of, uh, plays 
a significant lover of Elton John. Yes, and yes, a good yes, scene. yes. Um, and then if you've seen trailers for uh, the movie, you've seen the scene where Elton John comes out at Dodger Stadium in his baseball uniform and he yeah. played Dodger Stadium whatever year that was. So here's a story about that. When Elton sang at Dodger Stadium, it was such a big deal. An iconic thing, right? Yeah, it was like, I, I, don't, I don't know that anyone had done anything like that before. And, no. And, but nice hit, by the way. Okay, yeah. So me hitting the baseball the first time, I, you know, I said today to the director before, I was like, look, let's just do it. Let's just do it with CG because I'm going to make a fool of myself. I hit that thing every time. Really? No word of a lie. Had you ever played baseball before? Never played baseball before, and I tried to do it again afterwards, and I... Missed it every time. I don't know, I must have just been channeling the big man. Yeah, it's funny because you're thinking, oh, the singing is what I really have to nail, and then suddenly you have to Someone gives you a baseball bat, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I guess that was something that Elton John did when he jumped, came out on stage, he had a bat, and someone threw a ball, and he hits it, you know? Oh, I love it. Yeah, and... um, the critics' consensus on Rocket Man, it's going to be a long, long time before a rock biopic manages to capture the highs and lows of an artist's life, like in Rocket Man. Right. And the thing about Taron Egerton in this movie, which, different from Rami Malek in Bohemian Rhapsody, Taron is doing all the singing himself. Sure. Where Rami and Malek, this is rated R. Yes, yeah. yes. And, Sex, drugs, and, and rock, rock and roll. roll. But, I mean, we... Kind of, you know, you yes. kind of forget like that, what a big difference that makes. So uh-huh. here he is talking about singing. Elton okay. Does. How about the singing? You did all your own singing. I did. Yeah. You did a great job Thank with you. that. And, but also, what is the hardest Elton John song to sing in, of all the hits? I don't know. I mean, I've, I, Elton said, you know, at the start of the process, he said, you're, you're, a, you're a ballad singer. You can hold a tune. It'll, the, the rock stuff will be what tests you. So. Oh. Benny and the Jets, Saturday Night's Right for Fighting, those things that need that kind of gravel. And I remember, to begin with, I was dreadful at it. And then I, the, one of the last things we recorded about sort of four or five months into the process was Pinball Wizard. And I, and I emailed him a rough mix after a few drinks mm-hmm. uh, just to see what he thought. And he said, uh, he just wrote back, You've got it now. And so that was very long. When you say you were dreadful, did others agree that you were dreadful or was everyone telling you you were good? No, but you know when everyone's being nice and you can just tell. You can tell when they were being nice. You can just tell when they were being nice. Elton included, was he being supportive? And Elton's very supportive. He's not always nice, but he's very supportive. (laughs) (laughs) He's not always nice. And of course, you know, um, Jimmy did ask him, you know, when you guys started filming, Rocket Man was the nickname that President Trump gave Kim Jong-un. Did you guys think about changing the name at all? And he said, no, I thought about it. I thought, well, maybe should we have other names? But right. because, you know, that was like he's such a huge hit, 1972. And right. it was essentially a monologue from the viewpoint of an astronaut Preparing to blast off into space, but also using it in connection with getting ready, you know, to blast off, you know, getting smoking some pot or something. I never even knew. I never even. Okay, if anyone would ever go back and like tell you really what a song, I never knew that that Rocket Man was. uh, I never cared about lyrics. I just sang. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a monologue from the viewpoint of us of an astronaut preparing to blast off into space. But the fan theory was that it was about you know she packed my bags last night pre flight zero hour nine a.m. and I'm going to be high as a kite by then. So people are always like, oh, it's a pot song. It's a drug song. Yeah. 
Well, that you I know? got kind of. Yeah, but 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 the kite idiom has been used in reference to drugs, FYI, since the 30s in song lyrics. Oh, wow. Just All so right. you know. And it gained a lot was- of widespread popularity amongst the hippies in the 60s. Yes, well, really. in Mary Poppins, let's yeah. go, go fly, fly a kite. kite. Well, the Beatles had a song. The highest Mr. Height. Kite, right? Mr. Kite. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, to, according to Urban Dictionary, to rocket man can mean to smoke a joint by yourself, just like the astronauts on a one-man mission to Mars and Elton song. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So okay, there we go. And by the way, Jimmy Kimmel had a very funny live on the street thing. He took to the streets of Hollywood to see if young people could read an old-fashioned clock, and they I f- couldn't. I feel like that was on last week or something because I nope. saw one of these recently. No, nope, people nope. can't tell time. People don't know the difference between the big hand and the <laughs> little hand, and between AM and PM. It was quite something. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Did we post that, Donnie? Oh, uh, yeah, we did. Oh, it's a little too visual to play, but yeah. it's kind of a good laugh. All right, listen, we'll be right back. Donnie is with us to, uh, with the Dirt Alert today because Holly is taking the day off. This is a My Talk Dirt Alert. Are you ready? We're ready. We're ready, Donnie. This Chris Kattan story is uh, quite interesting. He's got a book which is, I think, just been released. It's called Baby Don't Hurt Me. It's about his experiences on Saturday Night Live. And Chris Kattan, in this new book, he claims that uh, his relationship with co-star Will Ferrell was destroyed over an on-set relationship with the film's would-be director, which he says producer Lauren Michaels pressured him into. He says that Lauren Michaels encouraged me to have sex with Amy Heckerling, the director of Night at the Roxbury, so she would stay attached to the film. He initially rebuffed Heckerling's advances, but relented following a furious call from Lauren Michaels, claiming the director might back out of the project. The secret dalliances with Amy Heckerling put a big strain on his relationship with then-co-star Will Ferrell. Well, and afterwards, um, you remember that movie, Night at the Roxbury? Not no. really. No. I barely remember Chris Kattan. I know, no, I know he was an like he was on. Was it in the nineties on SNL? No, he was on from ninety-six to 06. Oh, that long? That yep, long? Yep. He oh. was on that mm-hmm. long. Okay. Then he was on the middle from oh nine to fourteen. All right. Um, he, well, I don't like anyone being coerced into having sex. What is as Amy Heckerling spoken up about this? The, she um, said, Lauren Michael said it did not happen. Of course, he is going to say that. No, and Heckerling, uh, spokesperson, said, uh, we haven't... Sh- She's not said anything. Nope. I think her daughter has said something. Yeah, apparently it ended up that they had consensual sex on the couch, and it was her couch. And, they had a thing. Yeah, they did. And in what happened with Will Ferrell is because they were sneaking around Chris Kattan. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game. And you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Dan and the producer of the movie Night at the Roxbury. He just Director. Found, no, he, she ended up being the producer, oh, not the director. The they found a different director. Okay, got it. And um, after the movie wrapped... Um, is she Will the one Fe- who did Clueless? Yes, and, yes. Okay. And Will Ferrell mm-hmm. kind of just said, so Chris Kattan, I got all your messages, but I didn't call you back because I didn't want to talk to you. Yeah, he said, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Mm-mm. Because they were having a thing? Uh, he was yes. He was having a thing with her. And, uh, and uh, his feelings were hurt. No, no. He, I think he had a girlfriend. I think Chris Kattan had Jennifer Coolidge. I think this was like a side thing happening. I don't know. Do I want to read Baby Don't Hurt Me? This no. story makes uh, me wonder if I do. No. no? All right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think you can pass. I, yeah. I would read the Lamar Odom book before you read that. You one. would? Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I guess he had to have worked with a lot of people if he worked there 96 to 2006. Well, of course he did, but... I, I don't know that Lauren Michaels is that great of a guy. Oh. oh. I think there are stories about was... him and people just haven't written him or talked about him because... He's a man he's in power. In, he's in, been in I power. I agree, hmm There's something going yep. on. There's something going and on. And Amy Heckerling had a baby, I feel, like with Harold Ramis. Really? So maybe she was, oh. that was why Will Ferrell nice. didn't really like her being with him. I don't know. Amy's daughter has spoken about that she, that that her mother did have a relationship with Chris Kattan. And um, that her mom had an eating disorder after that because Chris Kattan was younger. And she's like, this is such a mess. I believe in me too and i believe in him too and i don't i just wish lauren michaels would step forward right okay so you've got another situation where like moby somebody's telling a story about somebody and i they- hope brad pitt agrees to the story that when i write my memoir okay. about us right. i really do and uh, harold, you know, harold if he's Ramis, gonna fight it. Uh, yeah. is the father of molly Heckerling, Heckerling that, is that is their and daughter. And Amy yes. Heckerling never told, like, they mm-hmm. kept it a secret. Yeah. Good Okay, Lord. well, that's a twisted one. That is a Very story twisted, we can't sorry. even begin to unpack. Yeah. Well, talking about stories that okay. you have to unpack. What's another one? Ashton Kutcher. Uh, he was freaking out after his date's murder because his fingerprints were on the door. What's this all about? Well, he testified today. Okay. In the trial of this serial killer, Michael Garguilo, who faces a couple of counts of murder in connection with the deaths of two women, including Ashton Kutcher's friend, Ashley Ellerin. Do you want to pick it up from there, Julia? Okay, well, I can't the even story, understand okay, what you guys so are talking about. Today, they started um, the trial that they expect to last six months for the case called The Hollywood Ripper. And it starts with a guy named Michael Garulio. And what year are we at? We're in, originally, his case... The the situation with Ashton Kutcher going to pick up this woman to go to a a, a Grammy Grammy party, party um, was in two thousand and one. Yes. Okay. But be, prior to that, this dude was in Chicago, and um, was they thought that he, he might have murdered this girl down the block from him, and with a knife, and he would you know it was a brutal murder, but they never had enough of substantial evidence to you know, con- convict him. So then he goes... Arrest him. That, whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then he goes out to L.A. And um, he is a, a air conditioner fix-it guy. 
and he moves into the same neighborhood of this woman that Ashton Kutcher was kind of going out with at the time, Ellerin, and kind of befriends Ellerin and was kind of weird. And Ellerin's roommate, which was a guy, thought, what is this weird guy doing around all the time? And he would come over all the time. And she, they'd be like, and then he'd be watching her. And he's like, what are you doing here? Blah, blah, blah. What ends up, Ashton Kutcher goes to pick her up for this party. She doesn't answer the door. Her car is parked outside. He's like, oh, she's standing me up because I'm late. Because he was late. Looks through the window, sees blood spilled, but he thought it was red wine. She had an epic party like the weekend before. Thought nothing of it. Next morning, he reads that she's been murdered. Wow. And he had gone well, to pick her up. Is this just now getting arrested? Yes, so here's why, okay? There was never enough substantial evidence or DNA. Okay, so then that happens, and it's a very long, long, twisted case with two more murders, and the finally someone who he's murdering, uh, he stalks them, he goes in their house and, you know, kills them. These women all over L.A., all over in Chicago, and they're finally bringing it to trial. But it's a very long, convoluted story that goes on forever. But Ashton Kutcher had to testify. Today. Well, he was freaking out because my His fingerprints, fingerprints were, were on the door. door. Well, and of he course, and they always suspect the boyfriend right, or the yeah. person that you might be dating. Mm-hmm. But I mean, obviously, he knew it wasn't him. No, from it's years eighteen ago. years. Yeah, that's what I mean. After he stabbed Ellerin forty-seven times in her bedroom, <gasps> oh um, she's standing trial this week. He mm. is charged with two counts of murder and one count of attempted murder in another two thousand and eight attack of another woman. <sighs> who managed to fight him off, and he's also expected to stand trial for 1993 stabbing. It's just a long case that finally Chicago talked to L.A., they connected it, and it's gone to trial. They expect it to last six months. It's very mm-hmm. long. It's a long He killed long. women. He yeah. stalked them and killed them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like Stabbed him. Ted Bundy type. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that's all I, yeah. I know about it. It's just not all a, I yeah. saw when I saw Ashton Kutcher is like, what is he doing with that that tiny little police porn star mustache? Mm-hmm. Filming something because he something? doesn't act anymore. Not we never much, see him. No. He's act. on the ranch. Well, okay, but mm. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, like there was a forty eight. There was a forty eight hour story on this guy. Yeah, and after some other people saw it, they called into the police and gave Recognized more more, s- more stuff on him, more us. suspicious things. So um, the 48 hours was in um, 2011. I mean, it's a long case that hasn't, no one's been brought to justice for these murders. Hollywood Ripper. Now we know why Ashton Kutcher was why in court he was today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eighteen years later, my our heads are spinning. I know it's a it's a weird one. Yeah, it is. All right, listen, we come back. We got well, Donnie's going to update us on traffic, and we yep. got some vintage scandal. All right. And then there was a scandal. Vintage scandal. It was quite the scandal. I am shocked at your behavior. <laughs> okay, well, listen, pe- people, apparently there is no end to the appetite on the Kennedys, okay? That is why the books keep getting uh, being written. And the very prolific celebrity biographer, J. Randy Tabarelli, Tara Borelli has another book coming out June 11th, okay. which is basically about the third generation of the Kennedy clan, which is the kids of all of Bobby and yep. John, the president and Ted and all okay. of those 29 kids. And Jay Randy has done, 
He did a Becoming Beyonce. He did a book on the Hiltons, The Secret Life of Marilyn Monroe, Elizabeth Taylor. He's done two other Kennedy books, one on Jackie, Janet, and Lee, and one about after Camelot. And so this book is called The Kennedy Heirs. Okay. And basically... No scandal or luxurious dining room goes overlooked in this book, according to Kirkus uh, Reviews. A doorstop of melodrama, Kennedy diehards will love it. Oh, fantastic. One of the things that's getting a lot of attention in, you know, because the book isn't out until June 11th, is that um, the storybook romance of john f kennedy jr and carolyn Bassett um was not true well it wasn't that it wasn't true it was first of all that carolyn and john very much believed that if they and even um several of John's friends have verified this to Jay Randy. After they got married in 1996, they thought people wouldn't be interested in their story. They thought that people were going to be interested in the wedding. They, if they could put up, put the wedding off being private and then do something with People magazine, right? Their marriage would just be of no interest, and people would just kind of fade away because right. he wouldn't be a bachelor anymore. He's off the market. She's off the market. They're just going to be private citizens. It's not going to be a big deal. And and, however, the private wedding only seemed to make the press even more curious. And um, they loved each other very much. But their struggles, it all came down to because he met her. She was Calvin Klein fashion publicist in the mid 90s. And he told a friend, you know, how when. You hear about meeting a girl and knowing instantly she's the one. It happened to me. He told several friends about mm-hmm. Carolyn. She was not really that interested in him. She knew he was kind of a playboy. and But then once he talked her into going out on a date, he just completely blew her away with charm. his charm and how warm he was. And mm-hmm. just like they like fell hard and fast. And he wanted her to know him as... Just who he was. Don't think of me as the son of the president. And right. during her very first visit to the Hyannis Port family compound, Ethel Kennedy, who was quite a bit, you know, Bobby Kennedy's uh, widow yeah, yeah. and mother of children, she asked her about current events at the dinner table. And uh, J. Randy Tara Borelli writes, that she, Ethel Kennedy says to Carolyn Bassett, so do you think a federal assault weapons ban will impact crime in our country, dear? How mean is that? Okay, asked Ethel. Ethel was known for being yeah. intimidating and stern, and she liked her cocktails. Carolyn looked stunned, and she said, I, um, I, I think it will. And then Ethel said, I'm sure you do, dear. You may want to read up on it. It's quite important. So just from that very first family dinner, Carolyn is like, I don't know if I'm going to fit in. And John did not realize how hard it was for his wife to adjust to the spotlight. Remember, it's been happening to him his whole life. Exactly. His whole life. And Mm -hmm. she I give you Lady Diana. 
Yeah, she felt. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You give me Princess Diana. Diana. She had to adjust to the spotlight. She was a private citizen. Yes. Yeah. So it's not easy. So she felt hunted by the paparazzi. Again, that is something Princess Diana mm-hmm. would say. And quoting an unnamed friend of John F. Kennedy Jr.'s, uh, Tara Borelli describes a scene one night at their apartment at the end of a stressful week dealing with the press. He, the friend, walked in just in time to see Carolyn doing a line of coke from the coffee table. And John looked at his friend as he sat down. And the friend did a line. He said, it's been a real bad week around here. And, you know, it's the 90s. And the friend said, John put his hand in Carolyn's lap and she tenderly stroked his hair. And they were just so peaceful together. J. Randy Terraborelli, who's written this book, The Kennedy Heirs, also spoke to John's friend, John Perry Barlow, who spoke on record. And John Perry Barlow is the Grateful Dead lyricist who died last year. And he said... You know, John was just a recreational user. Right. Um, they used to like to go on, you know, little acid and ecstasy trips together in nature and blah, blah, blah. And John just thought of it as a way just for him to experience life differently, like in nature and being in a safe environment. And this was the 90s. And that is something that, you know, people did party and do. And mm-hmm. but OK, so the stress really came between she always had a hard time from day one with that. That's just the, there were always paparazzi at their solo oh, yeah. apartment. Mm-hmm. But as John's cousin, Anthony Radzwell, son of Lee Radzwell, is dying of Carol, Carol Radzwell from the New York Housewife. He's dying of cancer. He's like, you know, 39 years old. And you, uh, people told the author of this book, you can't overestimate the impact Anthony's illness had on John's. They are cousin brothers. Yeah. Because he, close. yeah. They're clo- yeah. one year yeah. apart mm-hmm. and they've literally grown up their whole life together. And uh, it affected John deeply and his feelings of despair about what was happening to his cousin. And they had a relationship no one could get in the middle of. And Carolyn was having a hard time accessing. John and trying to be able to help him with his grief. Mm-hmm. And to him, it's just probably think about it being a guy, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you close down. And then I guess at one point in 1998, two years into the marriage, Carolyn reconnected with an old friend, an old boyfriend. And according heard this. to Tara Borelli, she went mm-hmm. to his apartment for a conversation. It ended with a kiss. She pulled away and said, no, I can't be here right now. And it was after that. She went home. She told John what happened. And two days later, the friend woke up at two in the morning. A voice said, this is the police. We've got a warrant. He opens the door. It's John F. Kennedy Jr., John swings at him and said, stay away from my bleeping wife. That's how he got into that apartment. Oh, that's what he and did? Then, oh, gosh. I know, brilliant, oh, right? Gosh. All right. <laughs> and then he and Carolyn went into counseling. Okay. But she told him right away, and like within, you know, by that April, they were in couples counseling, and they both wanted to fix the marriage. There was all this grief about the cousin. John didn't want to be a Kennedy man who ended up not caring about how his wife feels. And when they were invited to the wedding of Rory Rory Kennedy, the youngest daughter of Bobby and Ethel Kennedy in July of 1999, Carolyn said, I don't want to go. I'm not up to being around your family. Mm -hmm. Anthony is very, very sick. You know, he's not going to be there. I'm just not up to it. 
And then she changed her mind because he they had a counseling session. He said it would mean so much to me if you'd be with the family, invite your sister to come along so mm-hmm. you have not just my family. Mm-hmm. Were they and, twins? No, but they were like a year Mirror or two twins. apart. Okay. A year or two apart. And then, of course, on that July 16th, 1999, the plane piloted by John crashed off the waters off of Martha's Vineyard, killing all three. And it'll be... 20 years, but they were working on the relationship and they thought they had all the time in the world to figure it out. And they were madly in love and they didn't, they, they felt like they'd be able to, but it was the, the paparazzi and the grief over his cousin, mm-hmm. brother, Anthony, that was really, and also he was losing George magazine. Right. He couldn't figure that. It was just, the advertising wasn't there yep. and publishing was and so they they their love for each other was you know undeniable but it was just really really difficult for her they literally couldn't go anywhere and the paparazzi yeah. were at their apartment every single day every day every day so. every day anyway but yep. it's uh if you're interested in the kennedys the book is out uh june 11th it's called the kennedy heirs by j randy tara borelli so, hmm. there you what? go okay listen we come back. We've got our favorite headlines of the day. I'm used to feeling that fever. I want to dive in you deeper. Hi, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, across the pond, Prince Harry joined his grandmother, Queen Elizabeth, for back-to-back events at Buckingham Palace. He wore a top hat, and she wore a pale, pretty pink jacket and, and then and and, and she then he, had her umbrella and her hat and then he took off his hat? hat and he's lost so much hair since just last oh, year no. he listen those those they don't care Lori. they don't care no ah oh. <laughs> i know Lori. <laughs> just goes heartbroken. Oh, it's doubled leg. in size the ring of fire well, once it starts it goes it's My, hard. It's hard to preserve. But boy, does he look good in a top hat. Well, okay. And he doesn't look like the character in Monopoly. He looks better. Okay, that is when, when, who said the money, that? Mr. Moneybags. Mr. Moneybags. Really? Okay, that makes me laugh, Lori. That's funny. That makes me laugh. Okay, so what do you think? So, they look so cute together. I this know. is only her third garden party of the year. Remember, she had Charles she's, go to a couple. She's taking, you know. She's taking a little bit of a break. Oh, the Princess Beatrice and Princess Eugenie uh, showed up, and oh my word! You're what is that? No, no, Laurie, say it. Just say what you said. They, they (laughs) can't buy a a good thing. They're that's a good. I just they're they're. Wait, wait. (laughs) (laughs) You're holding back. Wait, they what? What? what, what? (laughs) Tell everyone what you said to me. They are just kind of homely. There's no really other way to put it, people. They're just... And and poor Beatrice is wearing a flowery Laura Ashley thing with Those flounces. are back in. Oh, I my gosh. They they're so back in, Lori. They're not any better than they were in the 80s. And then the <laughs> other one is wearing a dress the color of her skin. And, oh, for But they that. both have a real nice bosom and lovely manes of hair. And I'm sure... They're just jolly good fun, but Aww. my lord, you know, 
Maybe they're going to, you know, they're only in their 20s. Oh. Mm-hmm. They haven't even gotten to guess, their beautiful years yet. Guess who has a new granddaughter? Ooh. Marie Osmond, and the baby's name is Maude. Yeah, wow, we've known that. Maude. We were told to pray for that baby last week. Oh, well, I wasn't here that day. Okay. I've, obviously, it worked. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Richard Branson was asked um, why he always wears the same damn outfit. And he's a billionaire. It's a uniform. That's what he says. I wear the same pair of jeans every day. He owns Virgin Airlines. He's a billionaire. He opened up the new Virgin What Island kind of Hotel. jeans? He didn't say mm. that. He said, whatever I'm doing, whether it's a speech, going to see the queen, you know, whatever it is, simple. Uh-huh. It's easy being a lad. You don't have to worry about these things. But yes, I don't have to pack very much. He also revealed... He does his own packing. <laughs> you know, most, like, if you talk to any designers, they all say they have a uniform. They did. I, I that's the one thing, great thing about Catholic school. You never had to pick up clo- oh, clothes. I remember. I'm I love- wearing a uniform right now. I have, I have three pairs of black pull-on pants. Because she can't do zippers. That's right. I have three uh-huh. tops that are V-neck that are a size bigger for me that go over, over my head. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, multiple... Number of baggy cotton tanks that I can wear under said V-neck. I Mm -hmm. am wearing the same pairs of earrings. I've never felt so fashion drab and blah in my life. It's only temporary. But I'm just saying, remember how I was at Cher? I was so uncomfortable at Cher. I couldn't have a necklace on. I didn't. There was nothing blingy. I didn't get to do one fun Cher thing. Uh, It's okay. You did a lot of fun things. But but Julia, I like to dress the part. I know. I mean, not to even wear a necklace. It's just like you really feel blah. So maybe I'm bitter Betty about Princess Beatrice. Because she is wearing a, a, an Alexander McQueen floral frock, and I shouldn't make fun of her eyes and her gap teeth. <laughs> Way to recover. Wow. Oh, yeah. for God's sake. You were on the right track no, for a second and there. The gap yeah, I know. <laughs> Not I, a gap like teeth, when you go all a in. slight protrusion, which is kind of sexy. Uh, for no. people who like, like Roseanne Arquette, you know, yeah, like you got yeah, that. I get you. You kind of got that sexy. Carol Radswell. She kind of that tea, kind of that, that little... sexy where men think, oh, there's room. Patricia mm-hmm. Arquette. You didn't even yeah. get my joke. I did. I did. Patricia Arquette's got that wonky tooth, kind of sexy. No, that's a snaggle tooth. No, but when oh. you see her in that movie California or whatever the one with uh, Christian Slater, she's really quite sexy and and hot. That's in that thirty movie. years ago, Lori. I'm just saying, yeah, like you know. Can I tell you about the potty parody? The what? The potty parody. Oh, sure. <laughs> There's a report that because, and this is a national report, international report, because women, women need more public bathrooms than men. We've known about the, the because there's of a clothing disparity. restrictions, but they've they've specifically labeled why clothing restrictions based on the woman's anatomy takes yeah. longer to pull down your pants and put them back up. Women menstruate. They're calling this disparity the potty par- parody. We've known about this. So they're calling for equal restrooms across no, the no, whole you, world. No, you, you have like a third, you put in more women's, if there are 
10 men's bathrooms and you put in 20 stalls for yes. women. Yes. You double sure. it. Makes but sense. in the UK, the women are still underserved. So they're they're running and walking in the streets with signs that say potty parody. Well, are they? Potty, water closet parody. The potty WC. Parody. The WC situation <laughs> is ridiculous. It's because basically the world is a man's urinal. Well, they right. can just go outside. As they do. As they do. As they do. I mean, do. it's like, you know. They're not worrying about wood ticks on their bottoms. No. You know? Wood but it is, you know, yeah, well, I guess, but I mean, Painful. you're not like sticking your wiener in a bush of pine cones or something. That's hope not. Yeah. That sounds very uncomfortable. <laughs> they call it the pine bush tree. <laughs> that, I don't think that happens as much as it used to, Lori. Right. I, I feel like it's not happening. Um... Other things that are happening. The Voice. People were very excited on The Voice last night. Is because, it still on? No, excuse me, not The Voice. America's Got Talent. Oh, oh that's, that's back. On now for back. the summer. Two okay. new judges, right? Yes. You know, what's his name? Uh, his last weight, uh, Simon Cowell. Oh, anyway, a blind autistic singer. It was kind of a Susan Boyle moment. Oh, it was. That's nice. Like, they couldn't believe it because when he opened his mouth... Um, Out. On the talent show orchestra. last night. He's from California. He's blind. He's autistic. And he just said, I'm going to sing a song for you on the piano. He sang a song for you by Leon Russell while playing the piano. Oh, that's song. a great song. And, Ju- and I'm going to sing a song for you. Julianne Huff and Gabriel Union were in tears. And Simon Cowell had the exact same look on his face he did when Susan Boyle and even Oprah said on Twitter she stood in her living room and cheered for her him. So she... Let America know she's watching America's Got Talent. It's raining in Montecito. I I know. It's Mm -hmm. raining everywhere. It's raining everywhere. He's just one of 25 musical savants in the world, meaning he has extraordinary musical abilities, and there's just a handful of people that have it. I've seen 60 Minutes do a special. He's called a prodigious. Prodigious. Prodigious savant. Yeah. Oh. With extraordinary ability, and it can either be in math, Right, science yeah. or music. Yeah. Oh, how well, you remember you seeing Rain Man? He was with the math. Yes, that? was the he a prodigious savant? Yes. Just a certain part of their brain is just amazingly wow. overdeveloped. We are a so. prodigious. <laughs> prodigious. Uh-huh. Okay. Savants. <laughs> okay, so John Lennon's track sh- track suits for sale. Let's pool our money. Uh, Thirty five thousand dollars. Oh, uh, that's a little out of mm-hmm. all of our budget. Yeah, afraid so. Did you know Yoko Ona had a daughter with her first husband Tony Cox? Yes, I did know that. But we don't. Uh, Donnie oh. probably knew it. Do they Cairo, speak Kaiko? Do Kiko. they speak Kiko? Kiko. I'm I'm looking her up tomorrow, and I'm going to find out right. a little bit about okay. her. We'll be on pins and needles until then. <laughs> oh, sarcasm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everyone, happy Wednesday night. We'll be back.